Well, hello, everybody. Welcome into the show that we shake up what's going on across the South. This is y'all. John Rawl, rhymes with y'all, is my name. And it is great to be back with you here as we kind of wrap the month of June up here on y'all this week and get you ready for a patriotic July. Hope you're keeping cool out there. It's a scorcher across the South. In fact, heat is going to be one of our big topics in our news headlines of the Y'all Show today is we've had some deadly temperatures. In fact, a man and his teenage son have died in West Texas as a result of the extreme heat that the Lone Star State is suffering through right now. We'll have all of that in our headlines from across the South today. We'll also fill you in, speaking of weather, what's going on with Tropical Storm Cindy. It seems to be weakening, but we'll find out the latest on that in our news headlines today, plus We also have news coming in from other states in the South, including Jill Biden, the first lady, was in Tennessee on, I think it was Saturday, maybe Sunday she was there. We'll explain why she was in Nashville over the weekend. She came by herself. Also, a lawmaker in the state of Mississippi wants the old state flag flying high atop the state capitol in Jackson again. I'll explain that, plus in Charleston, South Carolina, the opening of the International African American Museum. That's been a long time coming. I'll let you know about what exactly that is in the Holy City as part of our news headlines today. That plus turning poop into power in Maryland. What in the heck is that? Explained to you coming up in this hour of the Y'all Show. We also have sports headlines. We've got college baseball to talk about. The Florida Gators bounced back from going down in the first game over the weekend of the College World Series. Game two went to the Gators on Sunday, and the deciding game three from Omaha will be we'll break it all down on today's Y'all Show. So get ready for a Southern Sports Update coming to you here this hour and other hours of Y'all Talk with an Accent on the South. Plus, the USFL, their playoffs underway this weekend They're gearing toward their championship of that league that has teams in it like Birmingham and New Orleans also in there. We'll give you an update of what's going on with the USFL as they march to their championship next weekend. All that in our sports update of Y'all Talk with an Accent on the South. We have hashtag hullabaloo coming up on today's Y'all Show here in this first hour. And that's where we go on social media And have a great time bringing you some of the strange, unbelievable, and sometimes extremely funny stuff that we find on social media. We will share that as part of Hashtag Hullabaloo here in the first hour. Later on, in y'all, in addition to headlines in our second hour, we've got this week in Southern history. It was this week back in 1862, the Siege of Vicksburg, Mississippi began. That was the Union effort to block off Vicksburg, the Gibraltar of the Confederacy, which it eventually surrendered on July 4th, 1863, and the South was cut in two at that point. This week in Southern history, that will be discussed, plus this week in history in the South, Thurgood Marshall was born, the first black Supreme Court justice born in the state of Maryland. I'll tell you the year, and I'll tell you more about Thurgood Marshall in our Southern History Spotlight coming up. On today's Y'all Show, that plus the Southern recipe of the day, oh my my, as we've got a website called gypsymate.com, and they've got a delicious recipe. We're just going to have to break it all down for you. You know, it's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. We'll, I guess, I guess it'll be us here at the Y'all Show, but we'll break down 
gypsymate.com's biscuits and gravy recipe. My, 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 my. We'll have all that coming up in our second hour of today's Y'all Show. And in our final hour, we've got a headlines coming. Plus, Megan Headwall is going to be help, here to help us break up and talk about, break down some of our headlines from across the South. Plus, she's going to stick around and talk about how this weekend it was the one-year anniversary of the Dobbs decision of the Supreme Court. That was the Mississippi case that made its way all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. And one year ago on Saturday, one year ago, the Dobbs decision caused Roe versus Wade to be overturned in the U.S. Supreme Court. And the decision of abortions, instead of being federalized, became more of a state rights issue. Megan will share her thoughts on that and how amazing it is that it's been one year since that happened. All that in our final hour of today's Y'all Show, and then we'll mix in some more analysis of the College World Series coming up in our final hour of today's show. If you would like to get involved, boy, we would love to have you. It's easy to do. All you got to do is pick up your favorite phone and text us. Our 24-hour-a-day text lines are open, 615-208-4184, It's the darndest, easiest amazingest way to find out what's going on in the South and share your input and your, your advice, your criticism of what's going on and maybe how we're doing here. This is our opportunity to connect with you and you share your thoughts with us. We want to hear from you again, text us 615-208-4184. We appreciate all of our listeners. We appreciate all of our new listeners. We appreciate all of you who share us each and every day across the entire world. We've got listeners not just in the United States. We love our Southern listeners. We love our American listeners. But how about those of you who take a time to listen to us, no matter where you are, if the sun's coming up six hours ahead of the South or six hours behind, maybe you're in Hawaii, maybe you're in the Solomon Islands, maybe you're in China, China. We appreciate you listening to y'all because, you know, as we've said before, we feel like the South is the place to be and our incredible talent, our people, our amazing scenery, our beaches, our mountains, our food, our culture, our music, our history, and just darn right, our people. Our people are the best part of the South. Our people of yesteryear and our people of today. And that's what this show is all about. It's about y'all. It really is. And we we try to make y'all the centerpiece of this show. And we're proud and honored. Frankly, we're humbled to do it each and every day. Let's dive into the headlines of what's going on across the South on this day. And really, the story continues to be weather as we've got a look at the tropics. Tropical Storm Cindy continues to weaken in the Atlantic. That was what was going on Sunday. And this Tropical Storm Cindy is expected to dissipate as it moves northwestward uh, in the Atlantic, heading toward the Lesser Antilles, I believe was the last forecasted position that the National Hurricane Center came out with. Winds have decreased, and additional weakening is expected throughout uh, the next couple of hours as Cindy is expected to denigrate into a trough of low pressure by this evening. That's great news. There are no coastal watches or warnings in effect for Tropical Storm Cindy, which is not expected to impact the U.S., according to forecasters. That's good. We just had the other day Tropical Storm Brett, pop up on our radar, literally on our radar, uh, where we had to keep an eye on that one. And that one ended up dissipating for the most part. So we are 
at least for the South, I believe bread is behind us and it's not, not expected to have any major impacts here in the South as it looks like it has been more on a trajectory toward Mexico, it appears. But Cindy, before it even got to be a big threat anywhere, it looks like it is dissipating, but it's certainly tropical storm and hurricane time once again as June 1st causes the beginning of hurricane season. And here we already have our B and C storms pop up and hopefully are behind us. But that doesn't mean we're skating easy in terms of weather. Now, we've got extreme temperatures. We've had extreme temperatures for more than a week in certain portions of the Gulf South. We've had triple-digit temperatures for the large part of the last week in Texas and parts of Louisiana and more. We had a heat-related injury or death, actually, as a result of storms coming through. And then without electricity, Someone died in northwest Louisiana and Caddo Parish the other day. And now we are seeing triple-digit temperatures forecasted for a large portion of Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, South Alabama, and even along the Gulf Coast of Mexico. It's going to get extremely, on the Gulf Coast of Florida, I should say, there where the Gulf of Mexico hits. Going to be extremely hot going through the rest of this week as we get ready to turn the calendar over to the month of July So summer humidity levels and heat index values, certainly at 100 degrees or more. Heat advisories in effect as heat index soaring to 111 111 degrees in a large part of South Alabama and also into the state of Mississippi as well. Even in North Alabama, I'm looking at a map that shows some portions of what looks like. Now, this is actually, it's funny how... If you look at the corner of where South Alabama and Northwest Florida come together, that's almost an identical snapshot of what you see with Northwest Alabama, Mississippi, and Tennessee. I'm talking about Pickwick. Where Pickwick is, it looks almost identical to where Escambia County and the river there, I guess it's the Escambia River, comes down from, what is that, Central Alabama going south toward the coast. The border between Alabama and Florida right there on I-10, very, very similar the way those uh, states are set up right there with their with their map. So I apologize. They threw me off there on that. But, yeah, south, the more south you go, it's going to be hot. So be very, very cautious if you're going to be outside going to the beach or doing any kind of work in the next couple of days in any of these areas. Make sure you drink plenty of water, and let's let's try to stay safe out there. Now, sad news, a man from Florida and his 14-year-old stepson have died after hiking in the Big Bend National Park. That is in West Texas. The 31-year-old man was hiking the Marufo Vega Trail when he and his 14-year-old stepson succumbed to the heat and died after temperatures there in that portion of West Texas hit 119 degrees. Yes, extreme temperatures in West Texas. Again, 119 degrees here at this point in Texas. The 14-year-old became sick during the hike, lost consciousness. The stepfather tried to get help. Unfortunately, he died. There was another stepbrother that survived, thankfully, but just be very careful. Probably not a good reason or a need to go hiking. And I know not all that far from Big Bend National Park. You got New Mexico, and there's a lot of people go out there, especially like the Boy Scouts go to Philmont in New Mexico this time of year. Please, let's be careful, y'all. It's just very, very dangerous out there. It wasn't so hot in the South that the First Lady of the United States could not fly to Nashville as she did this weekend and 
She was at the Nashville Pride Festival, Jill Biden, there Saturday, as she was making a surprise appearance there to support gay rights in Tennessee. The first lady who came solo, she flew into Nashville celebrating Pride Month. She made a few remarks at this Pride Festival before she went on to a campaign event somewhere in Middle Tennessee. Jill Biden coming into the South, into a place like Nashville. The, by the way, Nashville's nicknamed the Belt Buckle of the Bible Belt. And she's there attending a gay pride event over the weekend. Your first lady, Jill Biden. A little bit different politics coming out of the state of Mississippi. Kathy Chisholm, she's a Republican state senator in the Magnolia State, representing District 3. Not exactly sure where that is. Maybe I can pull that up where Kathy Chisholm's district is in the Magnolia State, a.k.a. the Hospitality State of Mississippi. But guess what? She's in the news because she comes out saying that Mississippi should still have its 1894 flag. That was the flag that flew proudly over Mississippi from 1894 until 2020. Kathy Chisholm is your state senator in Mississippi who says, you know what? We ought to keep having that state flag. She represents the North Mississippi counties of Benton, Pontotoc, and Union. That's where she lives. That's where she represents. I think her home is in Itawamba County. I I think she went to Itawamba Community College. Maybe she did not choose to live there after college, but she is a member of the Union County Women. So I guess that would be New Albany. She may live in New Albany, Mississippi. She's a Republican. And again, she is in support of the 1894 flag. That is the flag of Mississippi that flew for 128 years, and it had the Confederate flag, the battle flag, as its northwest corner. It's it's Canton, if you will, of that state flag. And again, back in June 2020, amidst the George Floyd protest, Mississippi's legislature went in and changed the rules and got rid of that flag. And she's been now alongside a guy who's running for lieutenant governor, championing a return of that 1894 flag, which is a great flag. I hated that it got changed because of George Floyd, but that, along with a lot of other things, were taken away following the death of George Floyd. And that's what happened in Mississippi. And and again, this happened in the dark of night, you could say, in Mississippi, because they weren't there in Jackson to change a state flag when they got together in June of 2020. They got there to discuss COVID funds, and somewhere along the way they decided, you know what, while we're here in an emergency way, we can just change our state flag. And they did. And she's not happy about it, this lady, out of New Albany and Union County in Mississippi. We'll find out how that effort progresses. And Chris McDaniel, who was a state senator, or still is, and is running for lieutenant governor, how well his campaign goes as he's trying to unseat the current lieutenant governor, Delbert Hoseman, in the Magnolia State. If you have a Costco card, but you don't really have one, you're sharing it, well, Costco is now cracking down on rising membership card sharing. Now, they're trying to avoid what Netflix has been cracking down on, people sharing Netflix account. And now Costco trying to keep people from sneaking in there and buying stuff if they don't have that membership. You know, a membership, by the way, at a Costco, they have a gold star plan that is a $60 a year fee, and then they have the executive plan, which is $120. Don't ask me what they mean and the differences, but that's what they charge 
to be a member at Costco. I don't have a Costco right near me, so I don't really go there, nor do I really make an effort to go there or that other place, the three-letter word, Sam's. I, uh, I seem to be managing without it. I don't know if you really save a lot of money or not, but Costco is trying to make more money by cracking down on some of those people sharing. They're not into sharing there at Costco. Watch out. Elsewhere across the Southeast, in Charleston, South Carolina, they have been working on this. I'm going to try to pull this up, this article, while I'm reading through the headlines of the South today. They have been working on this museum for at least 10 years, I know, 10 years. I'm thinking it's been more like 20 years. But finally, this weekend, they have opened up the International African American Museum in Charleston, South Carolina. This thing started with a budget of $75 million, and it's only continued to go up through the years in cost. It's built right on the harbor in Charleston. It's built on the Cooper River. And as you are there at this museum, you can look out next door. It's the aquarium there in Charleston, but it's also got a view where you can see both Fort Sumter and the Atlantic Ocean from the International African American Museum. It's built on the site of Gadsden's Wharf. That was a disembarkation point for up to 40% of all blacks who came into the country, came in through Gadsden's Wharf in the days of slavery and the importation of slavery and slaves from Africa. And this thing, which got going many years ago, is finally opening up. It was supposed to have a donation goal met in 2018. I think they've just, thanks to the South Carolina General Assembly kicking in $25 million and more, you finally have the opening of this International African American Museum. It's now open in Charleston. Again, built on the site of Gadsden's Wharf, the site of where 40% of all Americans who were of slave ancestry, where they can trace their ancestors coming off a ship and entering the new world there at Gadsden's Wharf, where it's estimated 100,000 enslaved Africans got off a ship in Charleston, South Carolina at this spot until it went away prior to the start of the Civil War. Gadsden's Wharf now is the International African American Museum in Charleston, South Carolina. We will have more headlines from across the South as we go through this Monday edition. In fact, in an upcoming hour of the Y'all Show, in our headlines, we're going to tell you how in Maryland, (laughs) they're turning poop into power. Yeah, you heard me. What in the world is that all about? Well, guess what? I'm going to tell you about it as our Y'all Show Monday edition continues. You know, we're not we're not uh, in a nice way that equals the word poop. We're not essing you here. We, we got all that coming, and you're going to love it because that's what we do. We bring you headlines you're likely not going to find anywhere else and tell you all about it here, and we're proud to do it, and we're going to do it with a southern accent. Stay tuned. We will come back with a quick sports update. What's going on with the USFL? What's going on with college baseball? I'll tell you.
favorite dress Black mascara off a pillowcase Curing one too many headaches Mama, can I come and maybe stay a few days This weekend or next And hey, how do you get a red wine stain Out of your favorite dress How does he sleep at night? Mama, the nervous guy To leave me so easy Am I gonna be alright? I wanna kick myself for falling so hard Mama, can you die from a broken heart? Is it me, me or do those folks repeat themselves in that song? Yeah, I, I think they do. <laughs> Maddie and Tay. And uh, Mama, how do you get white mascara off the shirt or whatever the line is? Pretty creative. Not too many songs like that where they repeat themselves. Well, you know what? We don't repeat ourselves here too much. But we do like to remind you that this is the Y'all Show, broadcasting on incredibly awesome radio stations in Dixie and available in podcast form. You can catch the Y'all Show at your leisure as we're available in podcast form on Spotify. We're also on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, also on uh, Apple iTunes and Apple Podcasts, you can find us. Plus, we're available for free at y'all.com. Search Y'all Show when you're on y'all.com, and you'll see the more than 600 episodes of this show that we call The South Show right there ready for you. You can keep up with all that's going on in the land of the South, the land of cotton, the land of y'all, here on The Y'all Show. And uh, we appreciate all you tuning in. And if you're a brand-new listener, we sure appreciate it. And if you'll do us a solid, if you like this show, please tell somebody about it. Please share it. It's easy to do. And let this show just continue getting bigger and bigger. Boy, we would appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's give you an update on the Southern sports scene here. And this segment, we start off with some college football news. Sadly, a longtime assistant coach in the SEC has passed away at the age of of 55 as former Texas A&M player turned now defensive line coach Terry Price died Friday. He was 55 years old. No cause of death given. He coached defensive lineman for 28 years in the SEC for Auburn, for Ole Miss, and most recently at his alma mater where he was on Jimbo Fisher's coaching staff. He was brought there actually in 2012 when Kevin Sumlin was first there in Aggieland as a coach and remained under the Fisher administration and did a long-time gig there, you know, 11 years in his alma mater as a coach and before that in Oxford and on the Plains. Just a tough loss. In a statement, the head coach of the Aggies, Jimbo Fisher, said that Terry Price was not only a great Aggie football coach and recruiter, he was an even better husband, father, and man the impact he has had on this program and his players is immeasurable. Our football family has suffered an incredible loss. Terry Price, again, passing away. He, he also had a couple of sons who played football, and one of them was just, I know, on the team. I think one of them may end up being um, in the NFL. He's got two sons, Alexander and Devin Price. They actually both graduated from Texas A&M this month. Devin played wide receiver for the Aggies for three years. He recently announced that he was transferring to Florida Atlantic to fish out, finish out his football career. So we look forward to seeing him, and I'm not sure where the other one is, but just a tremendous, tremendous guy in SEC football for a long time, dying again and suddenly at the age of 55, Coach Terry Price. 
To college baseball we go, and LSU and Florida are knotted up in a college baseball World Series that's going to go to a game through three. The deciding game three will be in prime time on this Monday on ESPN. As on Saturday in game one, LSU in dramatic form got a victory in extra innings over Florida, and then Florida woke up on Sunday and pounded LSU 24-4, to not even close. And so we've got the deciding game three set from there in Omaha between these two SEC teams. It will continue a dynasty of SEC teams capturing the College Baseball World Series. Just off the top of my head, in the last 10 to 12 years, South Carolina has won the College Baseball World Series. You've had Florida win it. You've had Vanderbilt win it at least once, if not twice, in the last decade or so. You've got, uh, out of the SEC West, LSU, I think, has won it. I think in the last 12 years, you've got uh, certainly your two Mississippi schools have both won it. Arkansas has not won it, but, boy, they should have won it. And that might be all. But I would say half the SEC has won a college baseball world title, a national championship in the last 10 to 12 years, roughly. And what a great statement for the SEC. Of course, Tennessee's not won it, but, boy, they've been there a lot a couple of times here in the last three years. Two two out of three years, the Vols have made it to the World Series. And Arkansas has come oh so close. And I think A&M's even made it, made it but not won it. Kentucky, you need to step up your game. I think Kentucky hasn't been ever to the College Baseball World Series now that I think about it. And Missouri – you could probably do a little bit better in baseball too. Other than that, hey, SEC's pretty good when it comes to college baseball, as evidenced by the fact you've got two teams now battling out for another title, and that will be in prime time, LSU and those Gators on ESPN. Now to some professional football. I happen to see the ending of Saturday night's game between the Pittsburgh Maulers and the Michigan Panthers, a great game of the USFL as they had the North Division Championship. And, boy, it was a great, great game. It really came down to the wire in the end. It had to go into extra time as the the team that Mike Riley, the former Alabama quarterback coaches, the Michigan Panthers, able to get a long field goal to send that one into OT. And then in the USFL, they got this crazy overtime rule where they have innings and <laughs> – the Maulers did a, a great job in that by shutting out the Panthers. And for the first time in USF, USFL history, that means back in the 80s, that means even in the reincarnation of the USFL, you're going to see the Pittsburgh Maulers play for the USFL championship. And that will be Saturday, and it will be in prime time on NBC. Pittsburgh's going to take on your defending USFL champions. The Birmingham Stallions, with a record of 9-2, and two, head into the championship game in Canton, Ohio, where they'll be facing off against the Pittsburgh Maulers. Birmingham won that game last year, and the Stallions and Maulers getting together. Birmingham with a nice comeback Sunday, if you had a chance to see that one. Good game there by the Birmingham Stallions and their victory over the New Orleans Breakers. And good job, Beham. You're back in it. And got to take that show. Those ponies have to head on up to Canton once again, where they found luck last year. And for the 2023 USFL champ, USFL championship, it will be Stallions, Maulers. What else do you have going on on a Saturday, July 1st? That's what you have if you want to go see some real good football. 
And I'm, I'm proud of the USFL. They've done a good job. They've been able to hang on. And I know that I heard one of the franchises bragging a couple of months ago that they've already gotten their money for next year from Fox. Fox, I think, owns this league with the eight teams and their setup in four different cities here in 2023. But it looks like they're already a go for next year. So if you get a chance Saturday in prime time, there's going to be a championship game. The XFL was able to wrap up their season some five weeks ago or so, and that was a, a fun thing to see the Renegades out of Arlington win that championship in the XFL. And now you got a chance to see another professional football league, USFL, with their championship game Saturday from Canton. And then we'll go off about three weeks or so, and then you've got the NFL folks showing up at their respective camps around that league and getting that league of professional football underway for 2023. See, we're right here. We're about to turn the calendar Saturday when this USFL championship game is going to be held to the month of July. And it is going to definitely be football season come July because that's when you've got all these NFL teams showing up at their camps right there as July turns to August. So, hey, congratulations. We're in the middle of a hot summer, but the good news is football, y'all, it's a coming. And it's going to be glorious when it shows up and it arrives here and in an NFL way very, very soon. And that is a quick look at some of our Southern sports headlines for this hour of Talk with a Southern Accent. When we come back, we're going to scoot over to social media and fill you in on some of the fun that we find on what we call hashtag hullabaloo. And that is up next here on Talk with a Southern Accent, the y'all show. Always a sweet song to listen to. John Michael Montgomery out of the Lexington, Kentucky area is where he is from. And a new daddy-in-law as his daughter Madison got married just a few weeks ago. Congratulations to John Michael. This is the Y'all Show. Going to talk now here on the program all about the South about some social media fun. This is what we call hashtag Hullabaloo where we go on the good old interwebs and find people talking about the South. And we start off today with... Abina Setkova, who also has the hashtag Hive Social. Abina underscore S A N K O F A. A 2019 cinematic book contest finalist and a Mission Impossible fangirl. All right. 
Abina. What in the world is Abina out here saying about the South? Well, first of all, Abina's got a picture of a book cover. It's actually Temperature, a novel by Suzanne Crane Miller. What in the world is Temperature as a novel about? Well, Abina puts on social media this week that in this Southern noir from WRD Stories, a newbie cop Hogue thinks he's on to something when he sees a plainly accidental death, but his urge to dig deeper soon unearths a horrifying villain from his mentor's past. Can they both outlive this deadly new threat? All that is found in the Suzanne Crane Miller book, Temperatures, a novel, and Abina is promoting it on social media this week. A very noble gesture by Abina. I appreciate that. By the way, we have our Southern Book Report headed your way on the Tuesday Y'all Show, and I'll look to see if that Temperatures book shows up on the New York Times bestsellers list. I got a feeling it just might after we promote it here on this Monday edition of Y'all. What do you think? Moving along on this social media fund that we call hashtag Hullabaloo, we've got the account Return of the Psalmster at R-S-A-L-M-S-T-E-R on Twitter. And this account, Return of the Psalmster, they identify as a Christ follower, USMC, a father, a husband, a student and drinker of wine, and a band survivor. Okay, thank you for your profile. Now, this really caught my eye here. As I was looking at social media and I saw this picture, and that's why really I'm taking the time to tell you about this today on the Y'all Show, because, hey, I'm a sucker for good food. I'm a sucker for good-looking food. And I think we found just that here with this post here of this person who identifies as a proud Christian and a proud USMC person. So, salute, Semper Fi to you. Their tweet here this week that caught our eye has a photo and a video attached to. It's a photo and video of what appears to be all Jew. And the tweet says, best pot roast ever, with a link to a YouTube channel. And if you go there, it's got the YouTube of the best pot roast ever. That includes the all Jew. And I fancy myself on a fairly, I, 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 think, I think I'm fairly smart. But I don't really know what all you is. So if you'll bear with me here, I'm going to tell you what exactly all you. It's spelled, by the way, A-U-J-U-S, all you. It is a French culinary term meaning with juice. And it refers to meat dishes prepared or served together with a light broth or gravy made from the fluids secreted by the meat as it is cooked. In French cuisine, cooking all jus is a natural way to enhance the flavor of dishes, mainly chicken, veal, and lamb. In American cuisine, the term au jus is referred often to a light sauce for beef recipes, which may be served with the food or placed on the side for dipping. Au jus. It's not something you do when you have to sneeze. Au jus. It's au jus. A-U-J-U-S. Au jus. And I like it. And if I could stop dropping my keyboard here, I'll tell you more about it. All's you. And again, you can check this out on this Twitter account that's promoting all's you. And the best pot roast ever, Return of the Psalmster, is the one that's sharing that with us here. And I love it. 
best pot roast ever. You know, one thing here in the South that I have found, if you're a pot roast lover, is that we don't have too many choices in terms of chains that offer pot roast. I think Cracker Barrel may have it, but McDonald's doesn't have pot roast. I'm thinking uh, maybe a Ruby Tuesday might've had pot roast at times. I think, I think I'm right on that. I could be completely, it's been a long time since I've been to a Ruby Tuesday. I mean, basically every place I ever saw a Ruby Tuesday has gone out of business. Good salad bar to Ruby Tuesday. Now back to talking about roast beef. Yeah, it's and pot roast. Um, pot roast is something you just don't see too often. Is it? I guess I've had my beloved people who've been inspirations to me drill in my head. Now, John, you just need to get yourself a crock pot. And you know what? One of them gave me a crock pot once. And only because of crock pots are why me personally I've been able to enjoy a good pot roast over the last 25 years, but it's still a lot of work and I don't want to sit there and cook it all day. So personally, I need somebody to help me with a pot roast because I'm not going to sit there and cook it in my own crock pot. You got to have, I got to have help. I got to, I got to have me some pot roast help. So if you want to volunteer your own crock pot, I'll be happy to enjoy, but boy, it's good when it's done right. You got the right blend of, the beef and the carrots and the potatoes and more it's oh and i guess celery goes in there too a pot roast ever and if you go to this recipe that return of the psalmsters put up there you'll see all that and more and here today i've told you about the al jus portion of what goes into the best pot roast ever remember al jus is not something you do just when you sneeze it's something that you can include with Things like the best pot roast ever, courtesy of the Psalmsters and the return of the Psalmster on Twitter this week. Thank you so much. Now, let's move over to one last incredibly awesome social media post that comes to us from Waldo Photos at Waldo Photos. And this identifies on their site. I sound like I'm doing the whole gender profile thing. No, I'm just telling you what there's on their Twitter profiles. Waldo Photos profile says ad-free, non-toxic, authentic, and secure photo sharing for all. And they got a really cool photo that caught my attention, and that's why I'm telling you about it here on the hashtag hullabaloo portion of this y'all show. It is a picture of a really cute cowgirl and her horse that Waldo Photos has put out on social media. And we love our really cute cowgirls, and we love our horses. And this picture of this cowgirl and horse is put up this week. In honor of graduation, because the tweet says, graduation photos with your horse. Yes, please. And there evidently are a lot of young ladies out there who get their graduation pictures taken on their horse with their beautiful cowboy hat, or should I say cowgirl hat, and they got their diploma in tow. And that's pretty neat to see. Not long ago, I went to one of those barrel racing competitions. And I had no idea that was such a big deal for the young girls. I'm talking the teenage and preteen girls, the cute girls out there in their Western attire with their cowboy hats on going and racing around barrels, trying to make it back in about 14 seconds from the time they get going. And it takes a lot of skill. It's a lot of work that goes into that whole sport, if you will, and I, this particular competition I went to was just the youngsters. It wasn't adults. It was definitely college age and below. And a lot of those kids looked like they were just learning how to walk. And here they are 
mastering riding a horse and going around those barrels in about 15 seconds. Pretty impressive, pretty gutsy, frankly. So those horses are pretty intense looking, fast, muscular, and I would not want to be on them going fast at all because I'm a scaredy cat, first of all. But yes, very impressive. And I know the attraction so many of our young ladies have to their horses. They love those horses. They love their cats and dogs too. And so getting to that special spot in their life where they're graduating from high school and then moving on with their next career, they want to share it with their beloved equine partner in crime, their their favorite horse. And they get to have these great graduation photos. And so a sweet thing that Waldo Photos has brought to my attention here this week And I say congratulations to all of you cowgirls out there that have done just that, taken a picture with your favorite horse in celebration of your turning the chapter or riding down another trail on your awesome-looking horse, gallantly galloping to your next stop along the way, circling that barrel of life. That sounded pretty good. I need to write all that down. All right, that wraps up our social media fun that we call hashtag HuddleBlue here on this edition of the Y'all Monday edition, to be quite specific with you. As we do this each and every couple of days, we get together and discuss the social media happenings of the Southland, and it is awesome to do just that. We're going to wrap this first hour of the Y'all Show up. Stay tuned as we give you a little taste of how to connect to us here on Y'all as we're available not just on the radio but also in podcast form. We'll do just that right after this. come to the bitter end of this first hour of the y'all show thank you daryl dodd for that and as we wrap up I want to remind you that the y'all show is powered each day by y'all.com the south's homepage, and you can go to the homepage of the south y'all.com and find the podcast edition of this show just search y'all show right there on the homepage of the south y'all.com and you'll see our podcast awaiting you as well as some of our video clips that we've done through the years of this the y'all show and a reminder, too, that the Y'all Show in podcast form can be found if you search Y'all Show in iHeartRadio, the app there for that. Also, on the TuneIn app, you can find the Y'all Show by searching Y'all Show on the podcast app that Apple has, the purple icon. You can find us also in 
Apple iTunes, and did I tell you we're also on Spotify? If I haven't, I'm going to tell you again that you can find us in so many ways there. It's the show all about the South, the Y'all Show. As we wrap up Hour 1, I want to remind you we've got two more hours coming your way. We've got Megan Headwall showing up in our third hour, but in our second hour, stay tuned. We're going to talk some Southern history. Can't wait to tell you about the siege of Vicksburg, Mississippi. That happened during the American Civil War. It started this week in 1862. Plus, Thurgood Marshall, born this week, will explain his role in American history as he was the first black to ever rise to a Supreme Court justice. That will be displayed in our Southern History Spotlight. Plus, we got our Southern Recipe of the Day headed your way in Hour 2. So you don't want to miss out on the fun. Why don't you join in on the fun? Our Y'all Show text line is available for you to text anytime you feel like it. 615-208-4184. Our second hour of Y'all is coming up right after this timeout. Join us, if you will. I'm glad you asked Cause I know more about that Than I want to Welcome back in to y'all as we have hit another hour of discussing all things across the southeast of the United States. Oh, we're wrapping up the month of June here this week. And here in the second hour of this Monday edition, we're going to have some fun talking Southern history as we've got a Civil War related event that happened this week in history. Plus, the birth of one of our great Americans happened this week in Maryland. And this American from the South overcame a lot including his race and its problems of race in this country, to rise to be the first black to ever sit on the United States Supreme Court. Thurgood Marshall will be discussed in a big way here in our Southern History Spotlight of today's Y'all Show. We also have coming up to you and coming your way on this second hour of Y'all, a look at some recipes as we've got our Southern Recipe of the Week. Ooh, get ready for biscuits and gravy. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, going to tell you about all that. You know, whether it's good old chocolate gravy for some of you out there, or the white gravy, or just anything that's got sausage gravy. Sheesh, can you imagine sausage gravy on a biscuit, no matter what time of day? Cannot wait to tell you about our biscuit and gravy recipe coming up as part of our Southern Recipe of the Week. All that right here on y'all in our second hour. If you want to get involved, easy to do that. Just pick up that phone and text us at 615-208-4184. 615-208-4184. It's the way to reach us 24 hours a day here on our discussion about what's going on in the Southeast. Hope you have all had a great weekend and you, maybe you got a chance to see some friends and family. Maybe you got a chance to go out to the beach or the lake. Maybe you 
headed up to the mountains this weekend. I saw on social media. That's why I love this time of year. Saw people with their pictures coming in from Gatlinburg and the mountains. Maybe they were escaping the heat of the south here heading to the mountains this time of year. And then plenty of people heading to the beach or the lake or the river or to the shopping mall, if there are any of those left out there across the south. Just people having a good time, especially the kiddos, because they don't have school unless they've been dumb and they had to go to summer school. They've been out having a good time this this summer. But alarm to kiddos, ring, ring, ring. Some of you only have about five weeks before you have to go back to school. Most of you are now going to school somewhere in early August. Yikes. Yikes. I remember as a kid, we would go back somewhere toward the end of August. But now a lot of our school districts in this region have pushed that start date back to sometime in early August. There may be some of you who even start back in July, for goodness sakes. I hope that's not the case because I'm sure you want to stretch this summer out as long as you can. And I do not blame you one little bit. Enjoy the summer. Enjoy your youth. But stay cool because weather is part of our headlines of the day as we start off the second hour of the South because we've got some dangerous temperatures. In fact, a man and his teenage stepson have both died out in West Texas as this man from Florida and the stepson were visiting the Big Bend National Park in West Texas and they succumbed to the 119 degree temperatures that were there in West Texas in the last few days, that triple-digit dry spell and heat spell continues in a large portion of Texas, South Louisiana, South Mississippi, South Alabama for the most of this week, frankly. So be extremely, extremely careful. But unfortunately, this 31-year-old man and his stepson, age 14, were hiking, and they both have died as a result of heat-related illnesses as they got sick, hiking, and lost consciousness and both dying over the weekend. Triple-digit temperatures continue. We have that going on this week. We have Tropical Storm Cindy, who's in the news. It looks like it's going to be missing out. and looks like it's going to dissipate, but I'm trying to do my job here on y'all by alerting you of anything that could possibly be a news item of interest to the South. This tropical storm, it looks like, according to forecasters, is going to continue to weaken as it was weakening on Sunday in the Atlantic, but it is churning a little bit toward the west. But the National Hurricane Center putting out statements on the third named storm of the Atlantic hurricane season for 2023, the tropical storm Cindy. Winds have decreased, and additional weakening, weakening is forecast for the next few hours for tropical storm Cindy. It is expected to de- degenerate into a trough of low pressure by this Monday evening. There are no coastal watches or warnings for Tropical Storm Cindy, which is not expected to hit the United States. That's great news. But we will continue to keep our eye on this, which Sunday it was several hundred miles north-northeast of the Lesser Antilles down in the Caribbean, moving slowly at 45 miles per hour. But it looks like it's going to probably break up, and that's, from a Mother Nature standpoint, Great news to tell us, to, to to have to share that with you today, that that's not going to be as big of a deal as what it could be. It's a big deal this week in Charleston, South Carolina. After many years of development and many years of raising money, after hundreds of millions of dollars, I think, have come in, you're finally going to have the opening of the 
International African-American Museum, and it opens Tuesday in the port city of Charleston, South Carolina, as it is the site of a homecoming of sorts for many people, many of the black community. In fact, it was this port where this thing came into Gadsden's Wharf in the city of Charleston, where an estimated 100,000 enslaved Africans came into this port during the time of slavery in these United States. That's about 40% of all Americans who have ancestry of enslaved persons, about 40% of the black slaves from Africa, came through Gadsden's Wharf in Charleston, South Carolina. And it is on that exact same spot here in 2023 that we're seeing the opening of the International African American Museum. Now, there are black American, black history museums now in most of our major cities. They are monuments, for example, in Columbia, South Carolina, the official black history monuments there on the state house grounds. But this is the the big one for South Carolina now opening up in Charleston, the International African American Museum, as it was designed by Henry Cobb, or Harry Cobb, actually, of the firm Cobb, Freed, and Partners. And it's right there on the Cooper River next to the South Carolina Aquarium, if you're there in that very pro-tourist town of Charleston, as this thing's just, it's, it's, it's a beautiful building in a beautiful portion of Charleston there on the uh, East Bay side of things there on the Cooper River. You look out over this at the, across the river, you've got the USS Yorktown you can see. And then you can also in the distance can see Fort Sumter and the Atlantic Ocean where those slave ships would have passed heading to Gadsden's Wharf, which now again is now been redeveloped into this brand new museum opening this week, the International African American Museum in Charleston, South Carolina. Again, another reason, if you haven't been to Charleston, why you should go there and check this out. Check out Fort Sumter. You can check out all the historic homes, the incredible food. You can ride the boat over to Fort Sumter. You can go to the CSS Hunley Museum in North Charleston, the first submarine ever, the Confederate submarine. Hunley is on display there. Uh, there's a certain school there that you might want to check out that's a military school. That's pretty cool. There are so many fun things to do in Charleston, SC. Go there. There are some airlines that fly there pretty cheap if you haven't been there. But you can add this History Museum of the Black Experience, the International African American Museum, now opening, or now open this week, in the Holy City. Elsewhere, if you have a Costco card, look out, because you might be using somebody else's actual membership card, and this Washington State-based company cracking down on membership card, quote, sharing, if you're sharing and you don't have one in your own name, don't be surprised when you're back spending the hundreds and thousands of dollars at Costco. They might they might bust you. They might bust you and say, hey, you're not one of our Gold Star members, which goes for $60 these days. Did you realize that? You're not one of our executive members at Costco. That's a $120 annual membership. Costco is the largest U.S. wholesale club they had sales in excess of $222 billion in 2022. They ain't doing too bad. And their fees amounted to $4.22 billion in fiscal year 2022. 
and they're trying to get even more in their pocket. And I don't, you know, I don't blame them. They want to, they want people to be paying up for their membership cards. It's probably worth the investment. If you believe that Costco saves you money, check it out, get that membership card because if you get in there and you're cheating, they might just bust you. And we don't want that to happen to y'all. We want y'all to go and have a great experience at places like Costco and save yourself money. And maybe they'll make a few dollars too, even though they're not a Southern based company. We'll just have to forgive them for that. And that is a look at some of our headlines for hour number two of this, the y'all show and our Tuesday edition of this show that is shaking the Southland each and every time we get a chance to get together. When we get back together on y'all, we're going to take a break and come back here in the second hour and tell you in the next installment of what's going on across the South, all about Southern history. It was this week in 1862 that the siege of Vicksburg, Mississippi went down. I'll explain how important that was. And we'll let you know about some other great history events of this region in the week of June. All that ahead on y'all. I'm playing that song here on the Y'all Show, some good Southern rock for you, because I, I would like to have played a song called Happy Birthday, but you know what? There's always been that controversy that if you play Happy Birthday, you got to pay a royalty. I don't feel like paying a royalty, but you know what? If I did, a certain Kentuckian would sure be thankful. And that's the subject as we get started here in the Southern History Showcase on the Monday Y'all Show. As this week, we remember the birth of Mildred Jane Hill. Mildred J. Hill was born in Louisville, Kentucky on this week in 1859, born June 27, 1859. Mildred J. Hill, an American songwriter and musicologist who composed the medley for Good Morning to All, which ended up being the melody for Happy birthday to you. So if you've ever sang happy birthday to you, you're giving an homage to Mildred Jane Hill, born this week in 1859 in Louisville, Kentucky. I bet you did not know that. (laughs) Mildred 
Born in Louisville before the Civil War was the oldest of three sisters. She learned music from her father, Calvin Cody. And it's been reported that Mildred was a kindergarten and Sunday school teacher. She moved into music, teaching, composing, performing, and specializing in the study of Negro spirituals. Hill and her sister were honored at Chicago's World Fair in 1893 for their work in the Progressive Education Program at the Experimental Kindergarten, the Louisville Experimental Kindergarten School, also known as L-E-K-S. I don't think they went by that back then. <laughs> but, yeah, she wrote music with the pen name Johan, T-O-N-S-O-R, Johan Tonser, and she is credited with the melody for Happy Birthday to You, one of our most famous songs ever. And her manuscripts and papers are held at the University of Louisville's library in Louisville, Kentucky. She died in Chicago back in 1916 and buried in Louisville at Cave Hill Cemetery. But this composer, teacher, musicologist, and a progressive educator, Jane or Mildred Jane Hill and Mildred J. Hill, professionally what she went by, the lady behind Happy Birthday to You, born in Kentucky this week in 1859. And a happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you, Mildred Jane Hill. I'm not Marilyn Monroe, but I'm doing my best here on the y'all show. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Shortly after she was born in 1859, in 1862, this week, you had the Siege of Vicksburg, Mississippi begin. This was a huge deal in the Civil War, Vicksburg, Mississippi. It was known as the Gibraltar of the Confederacy. It was a spot on the Mississippi River that looked high above its bluffs on the Mississippi River, and its Confederate control of the river split the Yankee attempt, if you will, to have complete control of both sides of the Mississippi. And the Confederacy really depended on the survival of Vicksburg in 1862 and 1863. And General Ulysses S. Grant and his Army of the Tennessee did everything in their power to take over Vicksburg, and ultimately they would. It would be July 4, 1863, that Union forces ultimately had the Confederate surrender Vicksburg the same day that Gettysburg fell in Pennsylvania. You had Vicksburg fall, and it was a dark day for the gray. And it was this week in 1862 that General Grant began his siege of Vicksburg as it was the last Confederate stronghold on the Mississippi River, part of the North Anaconda Plan, which was developed in part by Winfield Scott, a native Virginian. The Anaconda Plan meant the strangulation of the South Seaports and its riverways by the massive northern United States Union Navy. And it was a huge part of the reason the North prevailed in the Civil War was the Anaconda Plan. Well, at 1862 and 1863, the South was somehow able to still control Vicksburg and the Gibraltar of the Confederacy there in Warren County was a huge part of the Confederacy's lifeblood until it surrendered in 1863. Now, the forces involved at Vicksburg, you had about 80,000 Yankees there 
only about 33,000 Confederates under John C. Pemberton's command during the siege, of which during that time period, if it started in late June of 62 and lasted until July 4th of 1863, we're talking nearly a year where there was a bombardment, big-time bombardment for a year. You had people eating rats and animals, civilians trying to survive as they were cut off. And it was a, an ugly scene that, frankly, isn't really talked about too much. It isn't really known. I will give credit to Matthew McConaughey. Not long ago, he had a movie that he produced and he starred in called uh, something about Jones County because it's a movie where he's supposed to represent a guy from a free state of Jones. That's it, free state of Jones. I knew it would come to me. Uh, and it was filmed in Mississippi. But in that movie, you see scenes from the Siege of Vicksburg that shows a very realistic look at what life was like in those trenches in 1862 and 1863. And you had a lot of people die during the Siege of Vicksburg. You had nearly a 1,000 northern soldiers die. You had, for the south, roughly 3,200 either killed, wounded, or missing, and more than 30,000 surrendered when Vicksburg fell in 1863. This was a an event that was just a catastrophe for the South to lose this strategic place on the Mississippi River. And from that day on, you could tell, especially when you couple the surrender of Vicksburg in there, that the days of the South weren't very going to be very long. The crazy thing is the South nearly fought for two more years. It would be April of 1865 before Robert E. Lee's Army in Northern Virginia surrendered at Appomattox. But the Siege of Vicksburg, a big part of the Civil War story, it began this week in 1862. Born this week in 1908, Thurgood Marshall. He was born July 2nd, 1908. The civil rights lawyer and jurist who was the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States from 1967 until 1991. He was the first black justice of the United States. He got famous, frankly, from a civil rights case, the Brown versus Board of Education fight of the 1950s when he was the NAACP's lead counsel as part of their legal defense and educational fund and rose to great prominence with the NAACP. He won 29 of the 32 civil rights cases he argued before the Supreme Court and ultimately won that Brown versus Board of Education decision, which rejected the separate but equal doctrine and held segregation in public education to be unconstitutional. And it was in 1967 that Lyndon Johnson, during his second term in office after taking over after the death of Robert, or after uh, John F. Kennedy, LBJ appointed Thurgood Marshall to the Supreme Court in 1967. He was a staunch liberal, and he frequently descended as the court became very much conservative during that time period. Thurgood Marshall was born in Baltimore in 1908. Born in Baltimore, attended Lincoln University. And that is a school located in Oxford, Pennsylvania. Lincoln, I think it's an HBCU there in Pennsylvania. And Again, a huge part of the NAACP in that middle of the 20th century time period. And he's buried at Arlington National Cemetery. He died in Bethesda, Maryland 
1993 at age 84. A graduate of Lincoln University in Pennsylvania and Howard University. So Thurgood Marshall never attended a so-called white school. He's an HBCU kind of guy. And he rose to these, just like I guess you could say our current vice president is an HBCU kind of lady as she's a Howard alumnus as well. Thurgood Marshall, born this week in 1908. By the way, that Civil Rights Act of 1964, which was a big part of Thurgood Marshall's work with the NAACP, a right to give blacks so much more freedom, a landmark civil rights and labor law that went into effect this week, actually, in 1964. The Civil Rights Act of 64 signed July 2nd. 1964, it outlaws discrimination based on race, color, religion, sex, and national origin. It prohibits unequal application of voter registration requirements, racial segregation in schools and public accommodations, and employment discrimination. The act remains one of the most significant legislative achievements in American history, according to many. The Civil Rights Act during LBJ's first, well, I guess he would have still been filling out the term of JFK, before he had the 1964 election. So this was a a big deal that he signed this before he was reelected in November. Civil Rights Act of 1964 signed into law this week in 1964. That is a look at some Southern history here for you on this Monday as we get our week going this great Monday, June 27th, 2023. How about that? Big news in the world of Southern history happened and this week in history. We will come right back after this break. Talk a little food. Y'all ready for that? We got biscuits and gravy on our minds, y'all. And if you can <clears throat> stomach it, we will get right back to you with that here on Y'all Talk with an accent on all things Southern. I do believe that might be just the perfect song to get us into this segment. <laughs> Welcome back as y'all as we discuss everything going on in the South. And we got biscuits and gravy on our mind in this segment. Because here on this Y'all Show Monday edition, we're going to switch over. Thanks to Casey Musgraves getting us ready with the right song with our Southern Recipe of the Day. Gypsyplate.com. i got to give them proper gravy. 
because they're the ones that have put out a recipe that caught our staff's eye here at the Y'all Show. Is they've got the perfect biscuits and gravy recipe up at gypsyplate.com. Mmm. I don't think I had gravy today. I had some great southern food and somehow I missed out on the gravy. You know why? Because I had something that went on it called hash. Hash instead of gravy. That's a subject for another day. And I promise you that another day will come and I'll be happy to tell you exactly what in the world I ate. But let me tell you about biscuits and gravy from Gypsy Plate. Mm. Biscuits, according to their writer here on their website, biscuits and gravy recipe at gypsyplate.com, biscuits and gravy are the South's ultimate stick to your ribs breakfast. They're also about as comfort foodie as you can get. This is their wording, not mine. But you know what? I ain't going to fight them. According to their article, who wouldn't want to wake up to fresh hot buttermilk biscuits loaded up with a creamy gravy full of flavorful pork sausage? Who, who out there would not want to have that? We're going to send you packing to Yankee land right now if you raised your hand. (laughs) Now, the editors didn't say that. That's my personal opinion. Article says, so gather around the table, y'all, and don't forget to bring your appetite. All right. Well, we're not going to do that. They've got this great biscuit and gravy recipe up at gypsyplate.com. As they say, every region has their iconic dishes, but when it comes to the American South, biscuits with sausage gravy is certainly one of them. Biscuits, of course, can go just about with anything from smothered chicken to beef stew to fried chicken. But when you top them with country gravy loaded full of crumbled breakfast sausage, mmm, that's another level of comfort food altogether. They even have a graphic here in their gypsyplate.com article. Why you'll love these biscuits and gravy. They've got about five talking points that I'm happy to share with you. Number one talking point, why you'll love biscuits and gravy. They are super hearty breakfast. Seriously, you may not need to eat again till dinner. They didn't say it was healthy. They said it was hearty. <laughs> a hearty breakfast. Biscuits and gravy can feed a crowd. A little goes a long way, according to this gypsyplate.com article. This recipe that they're about to tell us about has a recipe that will feed six to eight people. Yummy. The article says everyone's going to love it. Unless some vegetarian sneaks in the back door, you will get universal praises. Sounds perfect to me. Also, homemade sausage gravy is a hundred million times better than any of those disappointing restaurant gravies. I can second that emotion. And according to gypsyplate.com, this particular recipe they claim is surprisingly easy to make. So let me tell you what goes into the gypsyplate.com recipe. The ingredients are... For the buttermilk biscuit portion, all-purpose flour, baking powder, salt, sugar, cold butter, and buttermilk. To make the sausage gravy, you need to have Jimmy Dean or Smithville brand breakfast sausage, along with a butter and flour roux and milk, and then some seasoning, salt, pepper, and thyme. To make the biscuits and gravy, you whisk together the biscuits by using bacon powder, Baking soda, salt, and sugar. You cut the butter into small cubes. Add butter into the flour mixture. 
Then use your fingers to break it up until the mixture resembles cornmeal. Ultimately, you add buttermilk into the flour mixture, stirring with a fork till it's well mixed. Then you want to knead the mixture in the bowl a few times until a shaggy dough forms. Got to get that shaggy dough. <laughs> then pour the dough into a floured work surface and roll to a three-quarter inch thick status. Then fold the dough in half. Roll to three-quarters inch again. Repeat the folding and rolling process three more times. You just keep on doing that and ultimately you're going to have a delicious biscuit or two or three. Making that sausage gravy? Well, you want to brown up the sausage in a large skillet, breaking it up with a wooden spoon or spatula. Then you want to have that sausage caramelized in the pan. Then you want to push the sausage to the edges of the pan, add in the butter. The butter, once it's melted, you gradually stir in the flour to make a smooth, thick paste, cooking it for a few minutes to prevent a raw taste there. Gradually, you're going to add the milk and the seasonings, and then you serve this gravy over the biscuit halves. And boy, is it not just perfect. Now, there's a couple of questions that have come in about this gypsyplate.com biscuit and sausage recipe that I'm going to have to answer here. Question, what goes with biscuits and gravy? Well, that's a personal choice, but according to this article from Gypsy Plate, you can have a side of scrambled or fried eggs to go with the biscuits and gravy. Some fresh fruit also is a nice side item to go with your biscuits and your gravy. Absolutely. Can you make it ahead of time? Sure. Make the biscuits up to two days in advance, stirring in a Ziploc bag, and you can even reheat if you need to. Also want to let you know, as far as the deal about the gravy, you can add a little water or milk ahead of time as it will help thicken up in the fridge. Can the leftover grazy gravy be frozen? Actually, it can. We don't want you uh, to recommend that. The texture does not hold up well when you freeze your leftover gravy, but it can technically be frozen, just not exactly quite the down-home taste and look and feel and maybe even the smell that you're looking for for that Good old, old-fashioned Southern biscuit and gravy that you're striving for here in the middle of summertime, just like Grandma used to make them, maybe. <laughs> also, the questions come in, can I use canned or frozen biscuits? Well, according to this answer here from gypsyplate.com, certainly you can use canned or frozen biscuits. They won't be as good as homemade, but as the gravy is the star, you can take that shortcut. I'll be quite uh, candid with you here. I try to be as Southern as Southern can be, but I actually like the taste of canned biscuits. Is that sacrilegious to admit? I really do like canned biscuits. I like good biscuits at a at a restaurant that are certainly homemade and love our buttered rolls and things like that we get in certain restaurants. But, man, a good canned biscuit is pretty good in my very unsouthern way of telling you things here on the Y'all Show. So will y'all for, please forgive me for that. Please, please, please. Another question, this might be tongue-in-cheek being asked here. How many calories in one serving of biscuits and gravy? And their response here from gypsyplate.com, their response is, shh, who's worried about calories when you're having biscuits and gravy from gypsyplate.com? So we want to pass this recipe along and let you enjoy the goodness of the South 
in a biscuit and gravy way. Now, one thing I know this recipe here they're serving up is more of a sausage gravy, sausage, you know, chunks of sausage and more, which is complete uh, heaven for many of us. It got me to thinking here, what are some of our southern gravy options? And I pulled up a few here. If you don't mind, we'll wrap up this discussion of our biscuits and gravy with some other possibilities that you can smother atop your favorite biscuit, whether it's out of a can, like I like them, or if you want to take the time to make a good old down-home southern homemade biscuit, then have at it. Other forms of gravy available out there. In the Appalachian portions of the South, they have what's called chocolate gravy, good dark gravy that you might enjoy. I've had it in non-Appalachia regions of the South, and it's pretty good. I like it. Of course, how can you go wrong with any kind of gravy, right? All right, another gravy that you find in certain portions of the Mississippi Delta and other portions of the South is cornmeal gravy. I'm not sure I've had a good cornmeal gravy. If anybody wants to stop by and give us a a dose of that, we would certainly uh, enjoy it. Thank you very much. I love this one. Mm, This one has a special meaning for me because on Christmas mornings in the South, we would gather and we would have our grits and our scrambled eggs and smothered on top of those grits. It was not good old cheese on this day. It was red-eye gravy, red-eye ham, country ham gravy that involves some coffee in there too. Mm, That's a great gravy for the South. Red-eye ham gravy is a great southern gravy. Another great southern gravy is the red-eye roast beef gravy. You find that in portions of Louisiana. They love that there. The red-eye roast beef gravy. I bet it's made the same way as country ham. It's just got roast beef instead. I'm willing to give that one a shot any old time. Specific to New Orleans and other portions of the South, they have tomato gravy, and I've had that. Ooh, tomato gravy like on white rice is delish. And you can have it on biscuits. Tomato gravy, a delicious gravy option for Dixie. How about this? I see this on a lot of restaurant menus across the southeast. Sawmill gravy. Mm, Good stuff. I think that's got chunks of sausage, I think. I think. Now, to Charleston, South Carolina, they're home of the shrimp gravy. Have y'all had shrimp gravy? Maybe a good choice for shrimp and grits and more shrimp gravy. I've had shrimp and grits that have had red-eye gravy on them, and I love that. Try that, especially if it's got scallions included on your shrimp and grits recipe. A subject for another day. That is another delicious shrimp form available in the southeast. And lastly, as we wrap up our shrimp, or rather our, 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 our gravy talk, I get emotional when I talk about gravies of the south, <laughs> our gravy coming from the Lone Star State that you might have not heard of, but you should is cream gravy. Cream gravy, for many, is a delicious biscuit choice. You can add that on your biscuit. You can have a great time with any of these. And let me recap them real quick for you as we finish our biscuit and gravy discussion. You got chocolate gravy. Mm -mm. I sound like Forrest Gump here rattling these things off. You got just some chocolate gravy. You got just some cornmeal gravy. Ooh, ooh, mama always said... She loved that red-eye ham gravy. Mama always loved that red-eye roast beef gravy, too. You know, there's nothing like a good tomato gravy in certain portions of Dixie. How about sawmill gravy? That goes with just about everything, y'all. Oh, and if you want to get risque and have some good shrimp, how about some shrimp gravy? 
that's really famous down south abroad. And then lastly, our Texas friends love cream gravy. And that is a great choice for the south any time of year, especially as June turns to July. And we go back again and credit the website gypsyplate.com for offering up their biscuits and gravy recipe, our southern recipe of the week here on Talk with a Southern Accent, getting us in the right frame of mind for a delicious breakfast. Or, hey, we could eat biscuits and gravy 24-7, could we not? I think we could. And I'm looking forward to giving it my best southern effort. Won't you join me? (laughs) I think you would. That wraps up our food talk here, hour number two. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this hour with more discussion of what you can find and how you can find y'all, the show about the South, our podcast options, and some more fun stuff. It's always great to be with you. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you can get through each show as we rattle off food talk and entertainment talk and news and more. It's fun. Mail at y'all.com is our email address if you want to Hit us up. We would love to hear from you. Mail, M-A-I-L, mail at y'all, Y-A-L-L dot com. Mail at y'all dot com. The way to email us 24-7 right here on the show that shakes the Southland. Stay tuned. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. (laughs) I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60, two over 50, one over 40, one more if you're not physically active, another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes. Another if you've got high blood pressure. If you're overweight, raise another finger. Two if you're very overweight. And three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio prediabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. That's one heck of a song for summertime in the South, going back to 1993 for Alan Jackson and that 
little tune about a little body of water that flows in those Georgia mountains, in those North Georgia mountains, headwaters right around Helen, Georgia is where you'll find the Chattahoochee as it flows through the Atlanta suburbs and ultimately ends up there in Columbus and heads on down to the Gulf of Mexico coming out there at Apalachicola, Florida, the Chattahoochee. We'll wrap up this second hour of y'all wanting to remind you once again that you can find this show in podcast form. We've got a lot of people that listen to us that way. We appreciate you taking the time to do that as you are out running your chores or driving to work or exercising. Yeah, that's a great way to pass the time. I had somebody tell me the other day if they've got an extra 30 minutes they're going to listen to the y'all show, but uh, after they get done with their drive, they don't listen to us anymore. Hey, we appreciate you taking 30 minutes to listen to our show, but what that means is they miss out. If they hit us at the start of that podcast, they're not going to hear anything beyond 30 minutes. So I'm just wanting to tell y'all that you might want to find other times of your day to listen to us because we got some good stuff scattered throughout our three hours of Southern conversation. Just saying, hey, we're working hard for y'all. So y'all give us a listen if you get a chance and make some time for us. But hey, if you can't, we understand. We're just happy to get any ounce of your day so that you can listen to the Y'all Show. Thank you so much. And again, those podcast options of the Y'all Show are available in a couple of different ways. You can find us on the iHeartRadio app. Find us at iHeartRadio. You can find us on the TuneIn app. You can find us on Spotify. Apple Podcast, and you can also find us in iTunes. Simply search Y'all Show, and you can find us at the South's homepage, y'all.com. Go there, and we've got stories about the South that we post there. We also have the Y'all Show in our archives. We've done more than 600 episodes of this show, and we're proud of each and every one of them. And you can sit back and knock out about well, if we've done 600 shows that are at least two hours each, uh, if you've got an extra 1,200 hours that you've got uh, time to kill, we got the shows that'll fill those hours up for you. Let's say you're sitting in jail and you're going to be there for a while. Well, we can make your jail stay a lot more quicker and more enjoyable by giving you plenty of Southern conversation here on Y'all Talk with an Accent on the South. Well, it's been a pleasure to be with you this hour. You know what? Why don't we do it again? Stick around here on Y'all. We've got another full hour of Southern Conversation coming up. Our friend Megan Headwall is going to be joining us to walk through the headlines of the hour. And she'll also discuss here today, we mark the one-year anniversary of the Dobbs decision. That was the decision by the Supreme Court to eliminate Roe versus Wade. Now, one year after that decision, where do we stand as a country? What's Megan's thoughts on abortion coming to an end? And what are your thoughts? And again, if you have a thought, we would love to hear those thoughts. Our 24-hour-a-day text line here at the Y'all Show, you can reach us at 615-208-4184. Love to hear from you. And all that conversation with Megan, plus the latest in Southern sports, is coming up in our final hour of this Monday show, The Y'all Show. Thank you for listening, and we'll kick that show up and that hour up and get it going right after this break.
and hour three of Y'all Talk with an Accent on Everything Southern is underway on this Monday edition. Hope your week is going to go quite well as we wrap up the month of June and get you into July here on the Y'all Show. John Rawl joined by Megan Headwall for this hour three excitement. Megan, speaking of excitement, hopefully you had an exciting weekend. I did. I had a really good weekend. All right. Do just, tell. Just kidding. Do, <laughs> it's, is it, isn't summertime weekends just more exciting to, to me? It seems that way. What, what about you? I think so, too. The weather's nice, and you want to be outside getting some sunshine. And No, I completely agree. If the weather cooperates, that is. All right. Here in this hour, we're going to have some fun discussing, Megan, with you on some very fun topics as we have you on here on Mondays and Wednesdays. And today, well, actually it was Saturday, it marked the one-year anniversary of the end of Roe versus Wade. And we'll get your thoughts on that coming to a year anniversary this weekend. And you know what? We all got through it somehow, some way. We'll discuss that with Megan in the next segment. Also, a quick update on what's going on in sports this hour. And your calls and texts are welcome here. You can text us anytime at 615-208-4184, 615-208-4184. We'd love to hear from you right here on Talk with an Accent on the South. Let's get into the headlines. And, Megan, I was just discussing the summer is wonderful unless Mother Nature gets in the way. And, boy, is it getting in the way in some portions of the South with extreme extreme temperatures and i know that helps make people sweat and sweating is usually a good thing right yes as long as you're hydrating (laughs) okay got to be hydrated of course but we do want to let people know that tropical storm cindy uh, is weakening a little bit at least it was sunday the system is expected to slow down as it moves into a weakness and the low to mid-level ridging according to the national hurricane center but this followed the other day we had brett that it looked like could be a big problem. It dissipated, but we've already reached our third tropical storm of the year. The U.S. is not expected to be impacted by tropical storm Cindy. That's good news. But they are continuing the forecasters to kind of keep a monitor on all this thing. So if you've got beach plans, Megan, I don't know if you're planning on heading to the beach anytime soon, you might want to definitely check in with the National Hurricane Center. Yeah, that would be a good advice. <laughs> <laughs> advice well taken. All right, so that's what's going on with Cindy. Now, back to most of the South, if they're not worried about the tropics, they are worried about 100-degree temperatures. And this week, we are expecting to see a large portion of the South be affected by triple-digit temperatures. So, again, if you're in one of these areas, pay close attention. If you're going to be traveling to one of these areas, pay close attention because triple-digit heat in parts of the South especially later in the week from the National Weather Service as they're expecting 100 degree plus in areas like Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana in a big way. Also around the Emerald Coast of Florida, you need to be very, very cognizant. So the Gulf South states for sure be very, very cautious as we're going to have hot, hot temperatures, triple digit temperatures certainly forecast for the next couple of days. If you're heading to those areas, be very careful. And as you say, stay hydrated. Drinks lots of water, right? Yes, lots of water, lots of sunscreen. All right, we'll keep that in mind. So it is summertime as we officially hit that over the last week. A Florida man and his 14-year-old stepson have died after 
hiking in extreme heat. They were in the Big Bend National Park. That's in West Texas. The 31-year-old man hiking the Marifu Vega Trail, and he and his two stepsons were there, ages 14 and 21. The 14-year-old and this 31-year-old man succumbing to the extreme heat there at the Big Bend National Park as temperatures at the time when they were hiking 119 degrees, Megan. Don't need to be hiking. Don't need to be hiking out there. And unfortunately, these two have passed away as a result of their decision to go out hiking on that day. So might want to do some indoor hiking if you're in those parts of the South in the next couple of days. It's uh, not something we like to address here on the Y'all Show, the passage of our fellow Southerners because of heat-related illnesses and heat-related symptoms, for sure. Did you hear about Jill Biden being in the volunteer state over the weekend, Megan? I missed that. Yes. No. She came in and she made a surprise appearance over the weekend at the Nashville Pride Festival. The oh, first how la- nice. The first lady of the U.S. coming into Nashville, taking part in there, and she through a spokesperson said that this was her first uh, pride festival in Tennessee. And it was also, I think her, maybe her birthday weekend, Jill Biden, mm-hmm. first lady coming into Nashville for pride month. Also, I went to a campaign event, but this was at the bicentennial Capitol mall, right uh, North of the state Capitol in Nashville is where this was being held. And the first lady taking time to celebrate pride, you know, pride month's about to come to an end. So Guess she had to squeeze in a trip to Nashville before <laughs> the rainbow flags got put away for a while. A, <laughs> speaking of flags, Megan, a Mississippi lawmaker is asking for the return of the 1894 flag. That is a flag that flew in Mississippi as its state flag from 1894 until 2020, when the pressure after George Floyd forced the Mississippi legislature to do a very impromptu session of which they rammed through a bill and changed the state flag. And now they got this uh, monstrosity, in my opinion, as a state flag. But State (laughs) Senator Kathy Chisholm has called for the return of the 1894 state flag of Mississippi. And yes, that uh, it's still being talked about. In fact, there's a person running for Lieutenant Governor Chris McDaniel right now in Mississippi. I think he's going to win that. Uh, He was certainly a pro-1894 flag person when he was in the state legislature. And now, or he's actually as a state senator, he's running for lieutenant governor against Delbert Hoseman. But he was a big-time proponent for keeping the state flag of Mississippi, which had the Confederate battle flag in its canton. And they used an excuse to get together to disperse COVID money in the summer of 2020. They turned that into a session about the flag after the death of George Floyd. And now it's still brewing some contention in the state of Mississippi with this state senator coming out definitely in support of the 1894 flag. Over the weekend, it took a long time, but in Charleston, South Carolina, the International African American Museum opened. And this thing, I know, Megan, has been in the works for at least a decade. Gosh, it seems like it's been more like 20 years, a very Very special place right on the harbor in Charleston, South Carolina. They chose to call this the International African American Museum because Charleston was one of the two, if not three, major seaports along the east coast of the United States where an estimated uh, couple of hundred thousand slaves, I do believe, came into the port of Charleston during its time as a slave port. 
That's why they chose to have this be called the International African American Museum. And it opens to the public on Tuesday, but it had an opening ceremony over the weekend. And <coughs> Excuse me. I get emotional talking about this. It opened over the weekend in Charleston, South Carolina. So add that to your tour list when you're in one of the most wonderful places in the world to go be a tourist, Charleston SC. Again, brand new. I actually saw, I think it was CNN, did a sneak peek of this museum a couple of days ago. The International African American Museum now open in Charleston SC. Elsewhere, Megan, are you a Costco shopper? I am. Do you have a Costco card? No, nope, but I have a friend that doesn't. I uh, turn along. Uh oh. Yeah, Costco <laughs> cracking down on rising membership card sharing. Oh, no. And I won't tell the people at Costco what you're doing, but yes. I plead the fifth. <laughs> oh, you better plead it right now because Costco <laughs> is cracking down. This is a Washington State based company, and they announced that they are having their membership policy kind of look into how people are sharing like you are, but we won't tell anybody. I'm not sharing. I'm borrowing. (laughs) They have installed more self-checkout lanes, and non-member lanes have been using using membership cards for quite some time. And I don't know if this – I mean, you're still spending money with the place. You'd think they'd be happy that you were there, right? I know. And I love eating their pizza, too. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, Costco is the largest U.S. wholesale club – I didn't realize they were bigger than Sam's. They are at $222 billion a year. And their membership fee, I think it's $60 for a Gold Star member, $120 for executive. Surely you can afford that executive amount, right? No, I can. Do you think that they're <laughs> going to lose a lot of money? I, I don't know. But the Costco <laughs> folks, don't. They're, they're, you know, these uh, streaming services are cracking down on sharing too. But Costco yes. is turning into a little bit more mindful approach on their way of dealing with people who are quote sharing this is a story out of baltimore maryland mother mary elizabeth long or lang she was a catholic nun and a black woman who founded the u.s's first black religious congregation she did that back in 1829 and the catholic church has advanced mother mary elizabeth lang into another step toward becoming a saint as she's advanced another step toward sainthood. Under a decree signed by Pope Francis last week, the Baltimore native was recognized for her heroic virtue and advanced in the cause of her beatification, I think it's the term, or beatification from being considered a servant of God to a, quote, venerable servant. The Catholic Church must now approve a miracle that is attributed to her so she can be beatified or beatified. This, again, a lady who grew up in Maryland in a time where slavery was legal, and she helped start the first black religious congregation in Baltimore in 1829. Mother Mary Elizabeth Lang. An update there in the world of religion to tell you about. And lastly, in our headlines today, Megan, do you realize that poop can be valuable? Or at least it is in Montgomery County, Maryland. Keeping it in Maryland for our final headline of the day. Ride on buses will soon be powered by what you would normally flush away in Montgomery County, Maryland. As that county has reached a five-year agreement aimed at capturing methane gas during the wastewater treatment process and turning it into a fuel called renewable natural gas that will then be used to power 
that county, Montgomery County, Maryland's ride-on bus fleet. So methane gas from uh, uh, excrement, you could say. The deal to turn poop into water or into power at the under-construction Piscataway Water Resource Recovery Facility in Maryland agreed to last week, and that is a way to make power in a way I never thought saw that I saw coming. <laughs> uh, I think we've just about covered all the headlines after that one right there. Again, that's a, uh, I don't know what else to say. Is there anything else I can add? No, not what I think. Just what gonna, a way to end it. Yeah, just going let it, to let it hang right there, y'all. Okay, well, that is a look at headlines. Why don't we tell you what? Let's move over from that to talking about abortion. And we're going to do that when we come back. It was the one-year anniversary this past weekend of Roe versus Wade coming to an end. The Dobbs decision out of Mississippi went into effect at the one-year mark on Saturday, one year ago. And when we come back, we'll talk to Megan about what exactly has changed and what she, her thoughts on it as a, as a woman on the one-year anniversary of Roe versus Wade coming to an end. All that ahead, plus an update from Omaha College World Series info. All that ahead on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to. Nope. I'm sure you've got a perfectly good excuse. Kids, work. <laughs> I get it. You're busy. So what better time than now? Let's begin. Raise one finger if you're a man. Ladies, none yet. Oh, count in your head if you're driving. Now, three more fingers for everyone over 60. Two over 50. One over 40. One more if you're not physically active. Another finger if anyone in your family has type 2 diabetes. Another if you've got high blood pressure. If you're overweight, raise another finger. Two if you're very overweight. And three if you're really overweight. You've just taken the world's first audio pre-diabetes test. And if you're holding up five or more fingers, visit doihaveprediabetes.org or talk to your doctor. There's no excuse because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. with Megan Headwall. I'm John Rawl, and this is Y'all Talk with an Accent on the South. And we're powered by y'all.com, the South's homepage. On Saturday, it marked the one-year anniversary 
of the end of Roe versus Wade. As that happened on a Friday morning, I believe it was, one year ago when that decision came out of Washington, D.C. And since that time, we have seen states kick into high gear, revisions on their abortion policy, mostly in southern states, other southern, other states across the country, primarily if they had a pro-abortion stance, they haven't changed anything. And so the way it basically works out is a lot of your Democratic states are still all about, all about abortion. And the Roe versus Wade decision, essentially the Dobbs case, made it more of a state issue. So southern states primarily are revising their abortion laws in the last year to make it more difficult to get an abortion. And Megan, you're a lady, and I really respect your opinion on this. So first of all, I'll ask you, did you ever think that Roe versus Wade would be overturned? I've, I kind of, I didn't when it kind of came up. Um, I was a little bit surprised that it was overturned just because typically, you know, as we all know, when it comes to government, they try to hang on to power or increase their power. And when this got overturned, like you said, it gave back the states the freedom to choose how they want to govern their individual states. Megan, you may be more of a constitutional scholar than me. I'm a historian or a historian at heart, at least. And I do believe personally that states ought to have a lot more power than the federal government. I believe our founding fathers intended for it to be that way. Am I totally off on that? No, I, I completely agree with you on that. I think, but the problem, like you, like I said, the problem is, is that government people, once they get this power, they want more of it. They get power hungry. And so it does take away the right of a lot of the states, which I agree with you. It should be given back to them. And in this case, it was. It was. And so you have a lot of the states in the South, at least, kick in and change rules. Now, some states, they very few, and I don't have the breakdown. Maybe you have it in front of you exactly because we've covered this already in the last couple of days with the anniversary looming, what exactly each southern state's all about. A handful of states, it's extremely difficult to get an abortion now. And then in some states, they have a maybe more of a three-month window, somewhere in that timeline of where you can get one. But past that, it's pretty much, nah, you're not going to get it in this state. Right. Um, I don't have the breakdown of that, but I do know, I think, what, like, Texas has some pretty strong laws as far as getting an abortion. Um, the nice thing about all of this, about allowing the freedom to the states to choose, is that, you know, the states that have that are moral and value human life and want to protect the voiceless, they can now do that by making these laws, which is mainly the Southern states. And then the states that maybe don't care quite as much like California and New York, um, they can keep on doing what they've been doing and taking life. And so it allows those people who have those different viewpoints. If you don't like it, move away from it. I think the big change that came from all of this is there's just now a minor inconvenience for those who want an abortion who live in one of these states. Now they have to cross state lines in order to get it. And some, I think, uh, insurance plans or employers are even paying for employees to go to a non-abortion state to an abortion state if they choose to do such a thing. I, I think, yeah, that sounds right. And also, I mean, why wouldn't these companies? It's It'd be cheaper for them to ship their employees off to these states to have this done rather than pay them maternity leave for X amount of weeks, months, you know. That's a good point. That's, that's very so good they point. are, these, these companies are actually saving money 
by doing that. Megan was once a mayor of a town in Tennessee and as really a person who's gone in and looked at a lot of legislation through the years and, and really likes to, to discover things, you're perfectly fine with the way this is now set up. Um, yes, I like it better than the way it was set up before where okay. it was on the federal level. Yeah, yeah federal More level. freedom. Federal level, and they essentially opened it up to be legal throughout the entire country with that landmark decision, Roe versus Wade. This has changed, and, uh, you know, I, I think – it's a tough time. If you're especially a minor and you become pregnant at 16, 17 years old, and you're in a state where abortions aren't exactly a, a wonderful thing or look to be that way in many of our Southern states, it's, it's at least now harder to get one. What is your advice to a, a, a child, a, a teenager, for example, who is carrying a baby and they don't know what to do? What, what is your advice? You know, that, that's such a hard thing to answer. I okay. mean, I've never been in that position. Um, I don't know what I would do. If well, it I was wasn't in that all position. that long ago. You were in your teenage years, so right. I, and I, I don't know what I would do. It depends too. I mean, that would be so hard. My beliefs. I believe that life happens at conception. Yeah. But I also have a supportive family backing me, so that if something did happen, I do have a support system. Some of these women, these girls, don't have that support system, and they're kind of on their own. Megan, and that's a scary thing. I'm picking on you because, again, it wasn't all that long ago you were a teenager. Is this something that is talked about in schools? Did y'all have time where people gave y'all input in a school, either way, but, pro or against abortion? Well, back when I was in school, a girl was a girl and a boy was a boy. So oh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Now there's all kinds of confusion. I don't know what they talk about in sex ed classes now, but, I mean, abstinence was the big thing. And we do know that our tax dollars are going to, quote, unquote, free birth control. And so there are options out there. Um, and, again, there's always, like, special cases, too, where maybe the mother's life is threatened or rape. And, you know, it's just... There's so many factors that can play into these things. Yeah. I know there are some religious organizations that help fund the roving ultrasound deals, and they help youngsters who really aren't wanting the whole world to know they might be pregnant, and they do the ultrasound, and, and then they give counseling no matter the, yes. the decision. They help them with that. Yes. Did those kind of things exist when you were growing up? You know, they, they probably did. None that I was okay. paying attention I, to. I didn't know if those things tried to let everybody know that they were there if if even if you had no intention to ever even hold a boy's hand if you were a girl uh at least you knew that was an option if anything ever happened i think they're making that more kind of widely known now okay. i know there's a couple here in jackson okay. that do that but yeah well again every part of the south is a little different every community whether you're in the rural portions or in a city but we know that this is a tough subject you know we're we, we've got kahunas for even bringing this up on the show, but it was the one-year anniversary. And this is a, a subject that, because it's been in the forefront for so long, that we're not going to shy away from it on this show, that we realize the South is a little bit more conservative than other portions of the region. And, and frankly, for those of you in the pro-life camp, this was a wonderful day a year ago when Roe versus Wade was struck down and that case mm -hmm. out of Mississippi became the rule, which meant essentially it went back to the states. And I don't see the harm in that because, again, as I said personally, I believe in states' rights and the, the federal government should have a very limited role 
in our lives, mainly national defense. And eh, we might like we might let them have an income tax, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> You're against that one. I'm against all taxes. Yeah, yeah, no taxation without representation coming from Megan yes. Haywall. <laughs> so I, I guess because it was a Supreme Court decision, I'm surprised a little bit, and, and, and maybe they're out there, I'm just not aware of it, that somebody hasn't tried to outdo the Supreme Court on this Dobbs decision. They haven't tried to get this back in front of the Supreme Court for another look at the decision to get rid of Roe versus Wade. What do you think? Well, we might see it happen. I mean, we don't know. I think I think the majority of Americans, though, they, I, I, again, no research on this. I feel like the majority of Americans do value human life and a baby, you know. But as we all know, the squeaky wheel tends to get the oil. Yeah. Well, so remember the, the, louder- the, the saying before the Dobbs decision was that it was settled law. No reason to rock the boat on Roe versus Wade. It's settled. We're all perfectly fine with Roe versus Wade. And here comes this case out of Mississippi and it really rocked the boat. Is that now settled law? Should we all accept the fact that that is the way the Supreme court, thanks to Donald Trump putting conservative justices on the, on the bench, that that thing got overturned and we live in a world where Dobbs is the rule of law. Well, I I don't know. (laughs) I think I, I like I'm with you. I think that the state should have the, the say in this, yeah. not now, the federal. Megan, back to politics and the politics of Roe versus Wade. We saw, I really believe that in 2022, it wasn't Donald Trump that cost Republicans the U.S. Senate, and it wasn't Donald Trump that cost them to have a, a bigger lead in the U.S. House. Yes, they took back control of the House, but in a very slim way. And I think it was that decision of the Supreme Court and the Dobbs decision is what. A lot of women went to the polling booths, in my opinion, in November of 2022, and they got revenge on that decision being more of a Trump or Republican-led effort to get rid of abortion across the country. I think you could argue that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's why a lot of them, it was even in conservative areas, you saw women primarily vote against Republicans. They got their revenge for there's there may be Republican and conservative women, but on the abortion issue, they have a, a different opinion of this thing. And now we're seeing on the presidential race for 2024, people like Trump, he's really not in the camp of pro-life, pro-abortion. He's just trying to, he's just, he wants you to ask him, ask him about something else. Maybe the Mar-a-Lago right. tapes, the Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> the Mar-a-Lago files, the the strip strippers of the world, the Stormy Daniels, anything but abortion. Because his excuse the other week when he was interviewed about this was that uh, he didn't want to give it away. He didn't want to, I guess, weigh in now on the subject. I think he's just dodging the question. Maybe he's right on that. Because I do think those who come out at this point on the conservative side and say this is the most wonderful thing ever – it's going to likely hurt when they're trying to get the general election if they were somehow chosen to be the Republican nominee. I agree. Yeah, you have to – there's a way that politicians avoid questions and the way that they answer it too. You always have to ask – if you ask a politician a question, you also have to take it a step further after they give their answer. Um I mean, most politicians, they'll give you an answer that sounds good and you walk away feeling good, but really they meant one thing and you took it another way. So I think what Trump is doing, he's trying not to alienate anyone just yet on this touchy topic. Megan, we've got one 
as of right now, one female on the Republican side who's entered the presidential race, and that's Nikki Haley. Do you think she's going to attract those women who are pro-abortion but otherwise consider themselves conservative and Republican? I'm not sure. You're not sure? I, I honestly don't. They, it might because, you know, I mean, even on the conservative side, even on the Republican side, there are those who are like, yes, women, you know, women power. And uh, she'll attract those ones. She'll peel some of those off. But I don't think it'll be enough to make a huge difference in her case. Again, you've been a politico and you are now a talk show host. Thank goodness you made the switch. <laughs> uh, do you have the goal to have a woman president? Is it a big deal for you personally to have a woman be president one day? No, it's not. And this is what drives me nuts about American society is, oh, you know, you're paying more attention on the gender or the pigment in someone's skin. Why don't you look at their qualifications instead and hear what they have to say? And do they stick to their word? Do they have action? But we're rather, we rather focus on the popularity game. And this is why we get into the trouble that we do. Megan, you need to sign up for a beauty contest. I believe that's the perfect answer. <laughs> no. Oh, I, I watched, it, it I watched one of those this weekend, and they had the perfectly canned response answers. That was a tough question, and you just hit it out of the park. I'm going to give you our crown, our y'all show crown. Yay. <laughs> I will wear it proudly. Yeah, give me the little wave. <laughs> Megan Headwall, love it. Very well said. Again, this is a, an issue. Again, a lot of people try to avoid this issue when we talk about abortions and we talk about its response, but we just had the one-year anniversary of that Supreme Court decision and I, I really, I'm a historian, as I say, or at least I fancy myself as a historian. I consider abortion and that whole world of controversy on both sides of it to be our modern day civil war. It's our modern day slavery issue. People have lost their lives over their opinion on slavery or on, on abortion, just like they did in the John Brown era with slavery and some of the extremists on really both ends of the spectrum back before the Civil War. And then we had a massive war to help determine that issue. And luckily, we haven't had a war, another Civil War II, in this country over abortion. But there are, in my opinion, a lot of similarities in the way that you have the heated rhetoric and you're like, man, could we just get past this? But you can't because, again, just like slavery, abortion ties in to religion. And it's how people have their deep-seated religious beliefs kick in when they're trying to make a decision on how to feel about this issue. Right. Yeah, I agree. I I, I don't know. That, like, this is a tough one. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I'm a Christian, and like I said before, I believe that this is a human life. Yeah. And you are killing a human being when right. you have an abortion. And, again— there are cases where that's such a hard thing. I mean, we even had a family friend. Um, she wasn't supposed to live past the age of 15 with heart conditions. And in her late 30s, early 40s, she ended up getting pregnant. And the doctors told her neither you nor the baby will make it. So they had to face this tough decision of what do we choose? And I can't imagine what they had to go through and what that process was like. Yes. Again, this decision, if you're a teenager, if you're at any childbearing age, I know it's tough. And as a man, as a, 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 a male, period, I don't have quite the vested interest that a woman would have. But we do have an interest, and that's something I want to make sure that when you talk about decisions on abortions, I, I don't think the guys often get enough say-so. 
you know, you hear, you see the signs of my body, my choice. Well, that guy had a, a role in that baby being created. Yes. Well, and, and the whole my body, my choice thing, where was that when the mask mandates were coming out? But as far as the father having a say in it, I have friends who they've gotten a girl pregnant and she, without even consulting him, went and had an abortion done. And yeah. he was like, that is not what I wanted. I would have supported you. I would have been there, you know, and like the the process that he had to go through of that heartbreak. Yeah. So, no, I don't think men always get a say because women are so, it's all about me, you know. Yeah. And I know you have instances where rape is involved. And that's why even as much as I'm a pro-life guy too, and a Christian as well, proud of that. I do think there are some Southern states that might've taken it a little too far on the no abortion or no rape instances or no incest instances. Um, that's just how I feel. I think there some of the states have a more pragmatic approach to it where they do allow abortions in cases of rape and incest to the life of the mother. Uh, but we've got a few states where that's not the case, or at least they they're being challenged on that. It's a tough thing. Again, we're talking about it today because it's the one year anniversary of Roe versus Wade coming to an end. One year ago on a Friday afternoon in June, they came running out of the courthouse there, the Supreme Court building just north of the Capitol in Washington, D.C. Have you been to Washington, D.C. before? I have, one time. Yeah, did you go stake out your spot there one day on Pennsylvania Avenue? <laughs> no, wasn't there for that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize until the last time I was up there just how close the Supreme Court building was because I guess it's uh they've got, they've got the Capitol Visitor Center on the north side of the Capitol and just yeah. right across there across the street is your U.S. Supreme Court building a a beautiful thing and often not get it doesn't often get the attention that the House of Representatives and Senate and the White House get but equally uh you may not have realized this a uh, a, a one third of our government there is our Supreme Court how about that I'm I'm picking <laughs> on you of course you knew that <laughs> yes. You're our mayor. You're our resident mayor, Megan Headwall, right here on the Y'all Show. Well, Megan, I tell you what, you've done such a great job on a tough subject. I'm going to wrap up the rest of this hour talking a little sports. We're going to let you go, and you're going to be back on here Wednesday. What, what are we going to talk about on Wednesday? We are going to talk about music and concerts throughout the South. Ooh. It'll be a fun topic. Have you gone Something to a concert? Have you gone to one lately? Not recently. I need to get back into it. Yeah, I haven't been so. to one Oh, Lord, it's been a while. But, man, we love our summer concerts, and we've got some good ones. And Megan's going to report on some of the big ones that you can find before summer comes to an end in the near future. Megan, have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you back here on Wednesday. More of the Y'all Show is coming up. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A Teenager. Learning the Lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. 
A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. And how about those Florida Gators Sunday just dominating the LSU Bayou Bengals from the Men's College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska, 24-4, Gators over LSU. And now that series tied up at one apiece, and the deciding game three of the College Baseball World Series will be on this Monday evening. Hello, I'm John Rawl, and welcome back into Y'all Talk with an accent on everything Southern. And yes, sure enough, two SEC foes going up against each other in the World Series in Omaha. Congratulations to LSU in that opening game in extra innings. That's what it took, but they ultimately able to get the victory over Florida in that game one. But boy, Florida woke up in game two, (laughs) 24 to four. That's almost as many runs as the Angels had against the Rockies on Saturday night. I think that was a 25-1 to victory for the Angels over the weekend. But back to college baseball, you got your deciding game three that's going to be played in Omaha, Nebraska. And this one can go, in my opinion, either way. I mean, that's, that's what uh, it makes this college baseball thing so special with the big crowds, LSU, has so much love and support of their baseball program, even when they're not in Omaha. That's what's just amazing to see, the crowd support that the Bayou Bengals bring. And they're with the support this weekend with them in this National Championship Series of college baseball. They're going to need all those Bayou Bengals out supporting them in Omaha on this Monday evening because you've got your National Championship, the all-deciding Game 3 Primetime on ESPN, LSU, and Florida. I'm going to have to put my finger toward the purple and gold on this one. I just feel like they have the karma in their corner with their fairly new coach they got from Arizona a couple of years back after Paul Maneri was sent packing. And LSU and Florida, either way, the SEC, the SEC West specifically, if LSU can pull this thing off, will have won now. I guess it's three straight with Mississippi State and Mississippi and now LSU. But UF says, no, 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 hold my beer. We're going to do our best to get the victory here on this Monday from Omaha. But it's the national championship of college baseball, and it's going down on this Monday evening. Get back and enjoy, sit back and enjoy this excitement from Omaha, Nebraska, the College Baseball World Series. Let's move on to some football talk, if you don't mind. One thing I want to let you know out of the NFL from the weekend, an assault charge against an Oakland Raider has now been dropped as the charge against wide receiver receiver Devontae Adams, a charge for shoving a credentialed media worker in Kansas City after a game there in October. That charge has been dismissed. So that's very good news for Devontae Adams as he tries to get his career Pointed it in the right direction as the Raiders wide receiver 
looks to help that franchise get back to life. It was just relayed to me this weekend. I had no idea that Jimmy G is now an Oakland, or rather Oakland, Las Vegas Raider. He's not in the Bay Area going from San Fran to Oakland. He's now going from San Fran to Vegas. Jimmy Garofalo, the Eastern Illinois Panther now, the signal caller for the Vegas Raiders after, of course, Derek Carr and the offseason has signed up to be a New Orleans Saint. So the AFC West, man, what a uh, tough division. And the Raiders, in my opinion, have just been right there on the edge. Derek Carr just couldn't get them over that edge. And is Jimmy G going to be the answer for that franchise? We shall see. But, boy, the AFC West with the Chargers, a much-improved team. Denver's trying to get better. They were terrible last year with Russell Wilson coming over, trying to make a difference. That seemed to be a failure last year. But they're definitely trying to improve that franchise. The Chiefs seem to still be in the driver's seat, in my opinion, with what's going on there on that front. Uh, But, boy, some great football coming in about two months. We're now right at the two-month mark of college football kicking off and NFL as well. That's a quick look of some football-related issues. Let's see if there's anything college football to tell you about from this past weekend. Deion Sanders had to have surgery to fix clots in his leg, but luckily after some reports came out that he may have to have his leg amputated, it looks like he has been able to get past that. And also, sadly, a passage in the assistant ranks of college football. Longtime defensive line coach at Texas A&M, he was once at Ole Miss and at Auburn, Terry Price died over the weekend at the age of 55. He was a former Aggie playmaker who played briefly in the NFL. Texas A&M defensive line coach Terry Price dying at the age of 55. He just had a kid or maybe two kids on the A&M roster. And now, sadly, he has passed away there on Jimbo Fisher's staff. Terry Price losing his life at the age of 55. And that is a quick look at some sports from across the South here on this Monday edition of Y'all Talk with an Accent on the South. We'll come right back and wrap up this final hour and this final hour of this Monday edition of Y'all Accentuating the South, and we'll do that right after this. Hey y'all, Jeff Foxworthy here. Now, if you've ever found yourself repeating the same thing over and over for 75 years, you might be Smokey Bear. Only you can prevent wildfires. That's why I'm filling in for Smokey to switch things up, because there's a lot more to say. And I should know, because my grandfather was a firefighter, and one of the things he taught me is that the people that love the outdoors the most are often the ones accidentally starting wildfires. Which means always BYOB. <laughs> no, bring your own bucket to the campfire. And be extra careful with things like burning yard trimmings. Don't just walk away, or chances are you might be starting a wildfire. So, for the love of the outdoors, go to smokybear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Uh. 
Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Well, thank you again for riding along with us here in this final hour of this Monday edition of Y'all Talk with an Accent on All Things Southern. Here is a little preview of what's ahead on the Y'all Show going throughout the week. Join us on the Tuesday edition. Our friend Jerry Short will be on. The Takapolo Storyteller is going to tell us all about growing up in the 1950s. You don't want to miss out on that. We'll have that. Plus, a Southern book report on Tuesday's Y'all Show. On the Wednesday edition, we'll have our Southern Business Report, plus all the latest in sports news from across the South. And Megan will be back on in our final hour on the Wednesday show, talking about summer concerts and music events across the region here this summer. On our Thursday Y'all Show, you don't want to miss out on the fun there. We'll have all of our country music news that we'll be sharing with you, plus festivals coming up in the region this weekend. And on Friday, oh, it's always fun to rewind with our ICYMI in case y'all missed it. We'll also have Paul Hare of the Hare Financial Group back on to talk about mid-cap. What is a mid-cap and what are the different classes of mid-capitalization? That will be discussed, plus the new movies hitting theaters over the weekend on Friday's Y'all Show. That plus our Friday Free for Y'all. So a full week of fun here on the show that shakes the Southland. We are the Y'all Show. Y'all.com presents this. This is the website that's all about the South, y'all.com. Until we get together on Tuesday, John Rawl signing off. Thank you for listening to Y'all.